How can we get more women into the information security workforce? Is there some way of enticing them to look at InfoSec and think, I want to do that? Hi, I'm Matthew Schwartz, Executive Editor for Information Security Media Group. I'm speaking today with Lisa Myers, who's with Endpoint Security firm ESET. Just to get started, Lisa, tell me a bit about your job, please. I'm a security researcher, and my primary focus is on education, because it seems like there's a lot of information out there, which can be very hard to digest for even the most seasoned person, because there's a lot of aspects of it that I'm still learning, and I've been doing this for almost 20 years now. So I try and match information with levels. So someone who is very much not interested or concerned with security stuff still needs to know what's going on, how to protect themselves, because they're every bit as much at risk as the person who knows what the heck they're doing. And for the person who is used to digesting this information and giving people tips, I try and give more nuanced ways of looking at it. So in the past, I've done privacy concerns for people who've been victims of domestic abuse or people who are low income. There are specific things that we need to be keeping in mind for different groups because they'll have different needs and different abilities. So would you say you have more of a consumer focus or a business focus or does it run the gamut? It runs the gamut. Over time, I'll focus on one more than another. Right now, business-wise, I tend to be focusing mostly on healthcare and education. Those are two groups that are in dire need of help and security. You would say healthcare firms and educational organizations? Yeah. Yeah. Why is there deficit of whatever it is they should be having? There are a variety of reasons. The way that the education situation was explained to me was there are no laws or regulations that do not apply to education. So HIPAA, FERPA, you know, the whole PCI, the the whole gamut. Schools are obligated to keep to those regulations so they have a lot of responsibility to protect students' information, employees' information, health information, financial information. They have everything. And healthcare is in a similar boat as much as they have healthcare information under HIPAA and they have financial information and they have both the government coming after them trying to make sure that they're being secure for good and obvious reasons but they also have the largest percent of breaches of any vertical basically. They even surpassed business retail like in the time of Target which is kind of terrifying if you think about it. So they out-targeted Target. Yes, they did. industry. Right, exactly, yeah. And that's been growing for a while, but it's, it's really kind of exploded, especially this year with Anthem and Primera. They have the difficulty of having to keep updated like machines that cost millions of dollars, which you know, if you're imagining trying to get somebody to update your work computer, that's maybe a couple thousand bucks. But they have medical machines that are still running XP, that cost millions of dollars, and that's not something you want to update every few years. Are the machines running XP the problem? Does that correlate with the healthcare sector having so many problems? I know there is a, there is a big problem with updating older devices, but then what accounts for the fact that there's so much breached healthcare data out there? It's the richness of the target and the lack of understanding of how to secure. The meaningful use audits that have been happening, I've heard that 80% are failing to have a risk analysis, risk assessment, which is like, you must be this tall to enter sort of security stuff. And most of them don't know what data they have or where it's being stored. And so how do you secure something where you don't know where the heck it is? And so that's created an opening for attackers? Oh yeah, very much so. Were you surprised at the severity of the healthcare breach crisis? No. I was at Kim's, which is a healthcare IT conference. And when I went last year, they were standing room only for a risk assessment session, which that was kind of my eye opener. It was like, oh, I understand why this is such a problem. This is not something that they 
really are aware of how to do, like risk assessment and keeping things up to date and keeping secure in a way that doesn't hamper doctors. They're kind of butting heads right now because you know the doctors really need to be able to get information quickly so that someone doesn't get in a bad way while they're trying to get a password reset email. And you know these things are coming slowly for them as most companies have only just started going to electronic health records in the last few years. So they're like 10, 15 years behind where, say, the financial sector is. I would think there would be a cost incentive to give the doctors the information as quickly as possible, like, like a call right. center. Yeah. You reduce calls by 10 seconds, you yes. save millions of dollars potentially a year. Doctors? Yes. Yes, they're a very costly asset. They are, yes. Yes, they are. So there's maybe some counter-pushing counter from a business standpoint there on the security yeah. What else are you focusing on these days, or has you concern? As a woman in technology, that's something that it has been a big focus of mine the last year or so, too. It's, there's been a lot of discussion of how to move the needle as far as getting more women, well, getting more people in the pipeline, period, and getting more women in the process. When it comes to women in technology, there's a lot of really qualified women out there. Why aren't there more women in the tech workforce or in the executive ranks? Do you have any easy answers? Easy. Mm. Or difficult. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Uh, definitely difficult answers. There have been a number of things I've heard discussed, and I think the biggest factor is doing things the way we've always done them because there are so many men in this industry, and a lot of the avenues that we've been pursuing for getting leads or recruiting tend to be the same old ones. Think of it as data. This is the way that we've been writing this ad forever. If we reword it, does it give us different results? And there's an expectation that you're not going to be perfect at it, but trying different things like approaching women coder groups or anything where a higher percentage of females, you're going to change things. Is it going to make a huge difference? Who knows? But it's all about gathering data, see how things change. And what brought you into the field? Asking a million questions. I started out as a receptionist during the dot-com days, and there was a very glaring need for people in the virus research labs, so I started helping out a little bit, and I'd ask questions like, how can I help you, how can I help you, how can I help you? And it's remarkable how motivated people are when you are offering to help to give you information, and that's over the course of 10 years or so, asking all those questions. By the end, I was the one who was answering questions for other people. Okay, you weren't socially engineering here. You were, no, you were asking no. <laughs> helpful questions. How can I help lock down the infrastructure? Right, exactly. Okay, for yeah. example, obviously inquisitive mindset. Yes. yes, curiosity and tenacity. Yes. What one thing would you do to help encourage more women out of the workforce? Just telling people that that opportunity is out there and that it's not just staring at a screen would be huge. Because if somebody had told me 20 years ago, this is what I would be doing, I would have thought they were nuts because that's not something that appeals to me is you know staring at a screen all day I'm very much motivated by helping other people and talking to other people and that kind of goes against the stereotype but this is a job where I get to travel a lot I get to talk to people a lot and I get to write things and have my voice heard and I feel like the response I'm getting is that it's actually making a difference for some people and that's huge to me and I think that's a huge to a lot of women tend to be kind of more communally motivated not just amassing the data or right. analyzing the data, right. but then the next step. Yeah, decisions have to be made and education. I mean, that information needs to be shared. Speaking as a malware researcher, yes. right? Speaking of all of this attack data that you're analyzing and the trends and everything like that, mm -hmm. going forward over the next year, is there anything that, from a business standpoint, is concerning to you that you think we need to be worried about? I think that we need to shift from thinking of it in terms of specific attacks to just thinking about it in terms of protecting data because how they do it is less important than that they are doing it. And so we need to come up with different ways to separate the puzzle. 
So if they get one piece of the puzzle, they don't get the whole thing. Again and again and again, we see like, oh, we did this, that, and the other thing to protect ourselves. Why didn't this work? Well, you didn't separate the piece of the puzzle. Like Target, they got in through another vendor, right? If they had limited the access for the vendors so that they couldn't get, you know, straight line from the portal to the POS, then they would have been fine. But that's a kind of a hard sell. It's just trying to think of things in so many layers and pieces that they're able to separate them more effectively. So focusing less on the tactics right. and more about what it is that they might want. Right, yeah, exactly. And so, like, make multiple steps for them to get to everything. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, thank you.